Hello and welcome to the Inflation Reduction Act episode where we talk everything about EV tax credits, past, present, and future. Now, before we dive into all the specifics about this episode, I want to lay out a scenario for you. And it's one that we're concerned about as this tax credit goes forward. And the scenario is this. Imagine you're going into your local car dealership and you are excited to buy your first EV. Now, there's two cars on the lot and they're both brand new. They're the same color, same specs, same exact options. However, one is eligible for the tax credit for $7,500 and the other one isn't. How do you tell the difference? And in this episode, we will walk you through how you tell the difference and the reasons why. And we will fill you in on everything that has to do with the EV tax credit past, present, and future. Welcome to Plug In For More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. So the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 is kind of a, a beast of a document, and we've had a chance to get through it, and hopefully we're going to bring together for you guys a better sense of what to expect going forward into 2023 and beyond for uh, how the tax credits are going to affect EV ownership. Uh, Bryant spent a lot of time digging into this. Bryant, can you just catch us up on a, like, an overview of what we're doing here. Yeah, so we're going to review a lot of things today, but really the main four things are we're going to review before the Inflation Reduction Act because that actually still matters, um, and Mike's going to walk us through that because he's had experience with that. We're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act the rest of 2022. Uh, we, we're recording right now in mid-September, so there's still a few months left of this year. We're going to talk about 2023 and what the uh, Inflation Reduction Act does for EVs then. And then lastly, we're going to cover what it does for used vehicles in the future and public and home chargers. So very informative episode um, today that we're going to talk through all of those things. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened in the past. So Brian, I know you've done all the new stuff. I've experienced it three or four times already in the past as far as vehicles I purchased that qualify for the tax credit. Um, so let's review that. So that tax credit, which again, still in effect today. Um, it varies anywhere from $2,500 up to $7,500. And that really depends on the size of the battery. So if you had, let's say a plug-in hybrid that it might've qualified for only again, $2,500 or up to 75 for some vehicles like a Pacifica hybrid or the Jeep Wrangler four by E, or if you have a full EV, that would obviously, um, qualify in most instances as well. Um, the one sort of big caveat with this is based on the manufacturer. If you hit, if that manufacturer sold 200,000 vehicles that qualify for the tax credit, that at that point, then there would be a reduction in that tax credit and it would drop down by 50% for two quarters. And then at that point it would drop down another 25% to only being 25% of that tax credit that it was originally eligible for two more quarters, then it'd be done. So there's a couple of different manufacturers that hit that already. One was Tesla back in 2018, same thing with General Motors, and then Toyota just hit that a few months ago. So at this point, there's only a couple of manufacturers that haven't hit it, and they're really not producing that many vehicles anyway. So it's really 
dropped down quite a bit. Let me ask you a question on the uh, the tax credit because you walked me through this when I bought my EV6, and there's quite a bit of misinformation, even on the the old law. Let's call it the old law EV tax credit law. There's still information out there that's incorrect. So, for example, a colleague of mine, she went and bought an e-tron. And she was able to get the tax credit because she leased it like off the MSRP. Um, when I bought my EV6, they weren't going to do it either if I leased it. Um, it was up to me. So you could just talk about how you get the tax credit. Is it you file it yourself? Does the dealership do it? Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So if you lease the vehicle, then that's still because you're leasing it from the leasing company. They're actually the one taking the tax credit at that point in time. So what they end up doing is reducing typically will reduce the um, the monthly payment that you have when you lease that car. So you still quote unquote get it, or at least they say that you do, just depends on how they structure that deal. Um, but then when, if you purchase that vehicle, loan or not, then you can still take advantage of that. But the way they look at that is it's actually your actual tax liability. So if you have tax liability over that amount or even a partial uh, let's say it's seventy five hundred dollars. Your tax liability is five thousand. Where you'd max out on that is five thousand. So at the end of the year, what you end up doing is going through your your taxes. When you file your taxes, you'll there's a couple different steps you'll take within that form, and you'll put in the size of the battery, some information about that particular car, and then that will will reduce your overall tax liability. Don't expect to get a credit back necessarily. It just really depends on your exact financial situation in your taxes. So if you have questions, again, we are not accountants, we are not CPAs, but we're just trying to give you an know, overview of really how this works. Um, our biggest recommendation is always work with a, an accountant that can walk you through these steps. Yeah, thanks, Mike. That was really helpful. Okay, so that's kind of where we've been. And now let's take a look forward at where we're headed to with the new Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, so the highlights of this act, by the way, I, I read 775 pages of it just just kidding, um, because <laughs> it's a long you, act. I don't know. It's a lot of reading for you, Brian. I don't know if you're up for that. It's a lot of reading. It's back in my U of M history days where that was like 700 pages a night. But um, anyway, I got a great night's sleep. Every night I tried to read it, fell asleep. Amazing. Just amazing sleeping. But no, I mean, not all 775 talk about EVs, obviously. So I just try to really focus in on the EV specifics. Um, I'm going to try to really give just a high level overview here. There's a lot of very specific details. I'd highly recommend the listener to go to our website, eveuniverse.com and check out the full article because it, go, it drives into specifics. There's links. We're just going to talk overall, give you a general sense of it. So it's a super important date to remember August 16th, 2022. That's the date it was actually signed and put into effect. There's four main restrictions um, on the EVs to qualify after this August 16th date. The first one is probably the most um, restrictive is the places requirement vehicle must be finally assembled in North America. And so there's a VIN decoder on our website. I highly recommend you go look at our article, like I mentioned, to take a look at your vehicle because this automatically disqualifies several very popular vehicles, such as the, uh, the Hyundai Ioniq, um, the Kia EV6. There's, there's a bunch of other ones that don't qualify. The really interesting one is the Volkswagen ID4. They're shifting the final assembly tour to their Chattanooga plant. And so some ID4s will qualify and some won't. And so I think it's really critical to just literally look at your VIN and decode it and see where it's assembled. Yeah. And, and, and as we talked about in the intro, this is a scenario that I'm fairly concerned about. And I think that we'll see this play out 
across the board is that you can go to your dealership and they could have two vehicles. One was assembled in Ch Chattanooga, Tennessee, and another one overseas. They're going to look exactly the same. There's not going to be any difference in them. Same options, same color. But you need to look at that VIN to make sure that you know where that car was assembled so that you qualify for the tax credit. Yeah, and just to give the listeners some ideas, so there's still 22 vehicles that qualify in 2022 for the new that's the tax credit or the new act. Um, there's only a few, though, full electric vehicles. So the Ford Lightning F-150, the uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E, the Nissan Leaf, the Rivian models, the Volvo S60 Recharge, and the Mercedes EQS are the ones that are fully assembled in North America and would qualify. However, there's there's a few that are still assembled in North America that would qualify, but the next cap is an MSRP of 80000 So the vehicle has to be below this 80000 mark. So the Lucid Air, for example, would qualify because it's part of being assembled in North America, but it's over most likely over 80000 If you're buying one for under 80000 <laughs> good for you. Um, <laughs> and the same with the Rivians and some same with same the F-150 Lightnings. So you really have to pay attention to the purchase price, the MSRP price, exact, um, exactly 80000 or below, or final assembly. And some of the vehicles on that list, like I just mentioned, they're going to be over that 80000 so they will not qualify. And then once you get through those two hurdles, there's an income threshold as well. So you throw those in there, and then the income threshold is for single filers, 150000 and for couples or um, dual income uh, families, 300000 so if you make over that, then it doesn't matter. So your, your Lightning could be under 80,000, assembly in, in North America, and your income is over 150, then you don't qualify. So there's a lot of caveats to this new act that didn't apply before. And I will say, keep it going, in 2023, it's going to get even more <laughs> murky and confusing because in 2023, the battery uh, battery components takes into effect. So the battery components need to be um, sourced and figured out where the components are coming from. And there's a, I, I think we're gonna do a whole podcast when we get closer to 2023 about which vehicles actually do qualify. Um, for example, the, if, if you're into, um, military fighter jets at all, the F 35, the new military jet was just discovered to have an engine part made in China. So they stopped making the jet after about 10 years in production because they just just decided, oh my gosh, like this engine part comes from China, we need to stop. So a lot of manufacturers right now do not really know where their battery source components are coming from. So 2023 is going to be really interesting to see which vehicles which vehicles qualify. But according to the act, it's like 40% of the components of the battery have to come from either North America or a country with a free trade agreement with the United States. Exactly, Tom. Exactly right. The reason that they want to bring um some of the manufacturing back over the u.s or increase our capacity again we've ran into a lot of the supply chain issues during covid and that obviously had a big downstream effect on the whole industry not only just the automakers but beyond that so they're trying to bring some of that more was a manufacturing back in-house again into the u.s you're listening to the plug in for more podcast if you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. I'm with you on all this, but what does this mean for my Mach-E? I've been waiting for it. 
am I going to get messed up at all with it? Yeah, I, uh, Tom, I think that's a great point. So this is also interesting to bring up. So the Mach-E, obviously, it has to fit those qu- qualifications. So there, it's assembled in North America. I believe the one you ordered is under 80,000. But let's just say, for example, you ordered something that was above 80,000 and it's not assembled in North America. There's also this really big asterisk that if you entered into a written agreement before August 16th, but you have not accepted the vehicle yet because it's not uh, it's not been delivered, it's not been assembled, then you'd qualify under the old um, tax credits. And so that's why we had Mike review the old tax credits because I have to assume quite a few listeners out here are in that boat, right? Like Tom, he's he's had his on an order for quite a while and he's not been able to pick it up yet. And so the caveat here is it has to be a written um, a written contract and a binding purchase agreement. Once again, I highly recommend you go to our website and there's a link to the actual IRS. I was not joking when I read all these things, the actual IRS language around what a written contract binding agreement is. And for purpose of this podcast, we're not going to go all through all of that, but I would say a lot of people probably have some sort of um, order or reservation for a vehicle and for example, the EV6 doesn't qualify anymore, but if I had ordered it in March and I don't have it right now, I would have to prove that I have this written um, agreement of binding purchase, and then it would qualify for the uh, credits under the old law. So you should be good, um, Tom, on your, on your Mach-E. Cool. I want to know when, it, when when's Tom going to get this thing. A- any update from Ford? I, I haven't got my 45-day email yet um, since the last time we talked about it, but I did talk, try to call talk to my salesman. I'm still in queue for a 2022, but there's some question up in the air. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media where people are getting their 2022s converted to 2023s. It changes some stuff. I'm not in love with it. And I kind of hope my 2022 comes, but I have nothing that tells me it's going to be here before they get converted over to a 23 model. All right. Well, I'll keep bugging you on that <laughs> and making you, making you feel bad every time we t- sure. talk about it, if I can. Yep. We should ask him every episode. <laughs> every day, I think we should. We're going to ask him every episode, listener. Um, so, Mike, you talked about this vehicle capping, though, of 200000 You know what's uh, kind of exciting? That 200000 goes away in 2023. So yeah. what, is, what does that mean? Like, can you get, a, can you get a, a rebate, or not a rebate, a vehicle tax credit on a Tesla in 2023? The... Uh, thought process right now is Tesla will be some Teslas, the Model 3, Model Ys, will be eligible for that tax credit because their final assembly is in the United States. Um, there's some questions on the battery components on which vehicles, you know, let's say you're looking at a um, one that's coming out of Texas for the Model Ys, some of those batteries may or may not qualify. Um, but so th- we'll see where all that ends up on which vehicles. Again, looking at the VIN is going to be utmost importance as we move forward with that but it's something um it looks like they will be um general motors toyota as far as that cap goes but again then you have to go into all these other details yeah it's pretty exciting you can think you can get a rebate potentially on a tesla i think it also helps gm um they're gonna come out next year with uh, they're teasing the new blazer um coming out the electric version they've been teasing the silverado for a while i'm not sure that's re- how realistic those both are in 2023, but I think the Blazers pretty realistic for next year. So I think it helps GM a lot. I don't think they have a lot of EVs besides the Hummer that are planning being much over 80,000, and also Toyota 
I think they're going to be, you know, putting a lot of EVs that are under 80. So I think it really helps those two manufacturers and it hurts manufacturers like Rivian and, and Lucid and some of those, you know, the Teslas that are over 80. I think it's going to not hurt them, but it's going to definitely um, disincentivize people from buying them if they don't qualify. But Tesla's Tesla's proven it doesn't really matter. They haven't been eligible for a tax credit for a while now. Um, there's two other quick ones we want to hit on. They're a little bit further out in the horizon, um, but especially for a website like EV Universe, our website, which features mostly used EVs, there is going to be a tax credit for used EVs. It's not till 2024, but we wanted to re review very specifically what that looks like. And we'll probably obviously do a, an entire episode on this as it gets a little bit closer as well. But it's really exciting to think about how we can get more used EVs qualifying for a tax credit. And as your point, Mike, in order to drive adoption, um, get a little bit more you know, of the lower, lower priced vehicles, um, qualifying. So high level, like I said, it's, it's, it's not until 2024, but it's $4,000 and it only applies for vehicles that are sold through a licensed dealer. So no peer to peer sales. It has to be through a dealer. They have to be priced 25,000 or less, and they have to have been in service for at least two years. So they have to be two model years older. So basically in 2024, you're looking at at least a 2022 or older for 25,000 or less. And there's this whole percentage we're not gonna get into. If you wanna read it, it's on the website. But basically it's it's gonna be 4,000 will be the highest, it could be less. Um, it's really exciting though. I really am excited to see what happens with this once it gets closer. Um, and then there's of course income limits, very similar to the new vehicles. Um, the income limits are a little bit lower, uh, 75,000 for single and uh, couples or dual income 150. So that's pretty exciting. But in a world where used vehicles are going higher than the original MSRP, how long until that actually is going to be viable for this part of the bill? I think you're talking older Teslas right now. I think that's what you're going to see older Teslas and maybe a Nissan Leaf, maybe a yeah, Chevy Bolt. Man. The purchase price surprises me, honestly, that it's that low. It's not impossible to find a used EV for 25000 or less, but it's it's definitely not super easy, right? No. I mean, when you're looking at a lot of the Tesla, I mean, the earlier Model S's are going to be the cheaper ones, right? Like the, those are the early Model 3's. And if you're finding one for 25 grand, I mean, it's they're going to be rough. You know, maybe some other manufacturers, you look at a Bolt that had a lower MSRP to begin with, or a Leaf. You can definitely find a Leaf for less than Dude. that. But... This is great, though, because when we buy your model S for parts to convert your Viper, you're going to get a tax credit when you buy that that wrecked S. <laughs> it'll be under 25 grand. Yeah, I think it's got to have a clean title, though. I think. Uh, two more quick ones on this used one, and then we'll, we'll move it over to Tom to talk about chargers really quick. Um, I think it's really interesting, too. This is going to be fascinating to see how this works. The credit only applies, it follows the vehicle. So only the vehicle is only eligible one time. So I could see a lot. I think this is why they're saying it has to be sold through a dealer. So I could see a lot of misrepresentation and potential fraud with this. I'm not sure how they're going to track it. Of how does a vehicle qualify? Um, it's going to be really interesting. And then also we're talking about lower, you know, lower price vehicles, lower income limits. I do like this. Um, the dealer is able to basically transfer the credit into their name and then be able to give the credit off the vehicle instantly. Right. So maybe burying the lead here a little bit, but is that part where the dealer is taking that? Is that for used or both new vehicles? 
from what I was reading, I believe it's just for the used where they can apply it. Okay. Um, I didn't read anything about it in the new, okay. but that's that's a great question. I They specifically called it out on the used vehicles, yeah. and they didn't specifically call out what I saw in the new. So I'm pretty darn sure you can only do that on the used okay. vehicle. Right. I'm just trying to think of how they're going to track these things. How are they going to just implement this? Because with the original tax credit, it was on your tax at the end of the year. But this is a, a lot more complicated. I think for consumers, you're going to really need to protect yourself if you're counting on that tax credit. So if you're going into your dealership, and again, you don't know where that final assembly was because it was in Chattanooga or someplace else, you got to check that out. Um, if you're buying a used car, has it already had this you know, tax credit applied for it being used? you can only do it once so that's something you got to watch out for is the dealership you got to make sure that they're giving you that credit there's just a lot of things that um, i think are up in the air and that people will need to do to make sure they're getting a fair deal and they actually get this tax credit if they are eligible that's something where we're working really really hard here at ev universe to make sure that we give you guys the most information that we can so that you can protect yourselves going forward and there's going to be much more coming out from an educational standpoint beyond beyond just this podcast, written documentation and other tools that we're creating so that you don't have to worry about it so much. So you have some tools to help you. And I think uh, lastly, and then we'll move over to time to talk about the last part of the Inflation Reduction Act. I think it's really interesting. It kind of puts a little bit of power back into the dealer because you can't get this credit peer-to-peer. It has to be through a dealer. Even still, like anytime you transfer a title, whether you're doing a peer-to-peer or you're doing it through a dealership, there's going to be a transaction through that state's secretary of state. So there is a government entity that's going to be logging that transaction for it to be legal. And I guess if you're going to be purchasing a used EV and you don't want to register it in your state, you're probably not going to be worried about your tax implications, is my guess. Probably doing something else Probably nefarious not. that's yeah. worse than evading your taxes. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just my cynical mind on that. Cynical, yes. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe it's a dealer association did a good lobby on this one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? So the other part of this that comes back with the Inflation Reduction Act is the EV charger tax credit. The last one expired in 2021. Um, but now that it is back... Um, on the books, you're looking at for a residential charger of recouping up to 30% of your cost up to $1,000. Um, so that's going to be good for anyone who puts in a residential EV charger. And then the business charger uh, rebates uh, increased from what used to be $30,000 up to $100,000. So if you're putting it on one of your properties, you've got a lot bigger spread that you can work from to uh, increase your EV charging capabilities. Do you know, does it say level two or level three for those commercial? Because I mean, $100,000, then you're getting in the realm of level three, which really could be um, advantageous, but I haven't seen anything specific to that if there's any exclusions there. I haven't discovered that either. I guess we'll see how that plays out, but that would be fantastic if it doesn't exclude level three, which I don't see why it would, but I know there was a big push early on with the different um versions of this bill for it to be a lot of level twos but level three i mean as you guys know traveling across the country makes a big difference and so there's some gaps Mm, throughout the country that would be nice to be having filled right and 
and I guess an overarching statement about everything we've talked about at this point, this is just the Inflation Reduction Act at the federal level. Your individual state, your individual municipality, your your you know power company could have rebates and incentives and all sorts of different things that are going to accompany this and complement it. So you could end up with a lot more benefits than just from this federal tax act. Yeah, do your research. End of the day, we're going to provide you with additional tools and resources, but you also... It, it, it benefits you financially if you do some research before you buy your first EV or your second, just based on you know what your tax credits could be, you know, local, state, and federally, anyway. So keep that in mind. I'm super excited because uh, I installed a home charger when there was no credit. Now there is. So um, my reading of the flat act means I qualify now for a 30% rebate on that, and I'm pretty excited. Cool. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate the the input and the effort to get all this into one spot. I think it's going to be helpful for listener out there to take it in and, and try to, you know, synthesize this a little bit because it is a complicated act and there is a lot of changing and moving parts and, you know, stay tuned to what we're doing here because there will be updates and we will, you know, bring clarifications when it's available. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Plug In For More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, evuniverse.com. Until next time.